The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. So I'm going to yank him up here in a second again, but really we, we love being here and uh, such a treat and a blessing to be with you. And we feel like we come home whenever we're here because of all the relationships we've got with these guys. Like Todd said, we go way back and uh, not only have journeyed through life and church planting together in deep waters, but have tried to kind of take maybe some of the, the stuff you learn along the way and and help some other guys coming along. And I would just say, you know, you guys I'm sure know that and have a sense of, of Todd's role in the greater uh, fabric of our fellowship. But, you know, he's a, he's a leader among leaders. And, you know, I had the joy and privilege of listening to uh, part of it, I'm not through all of it, of the last series, The Clash of Cultures, that was just really, it was bold, it was gracious, it was Jesus glorifying and you know, really then kind of sets a tone and gives a template for other guys who really should be doing the same sorts of things. And so that's one way in which he continues just to kind of lead and help and model uh, things for so many in our fellowship. We love Todd and his family and um, Dan Brubaker and I were on staff together at, at the mothership once upon a time. And so fun to connect with them. I think that was before he even got hitched and uh, had his clan. And so we've journeyed through some days together and I love just sitting under Jordan. Obviously, he does an amazing job, but you know, our, our fun was that uh, Jill and I, I had the, the privilege to be the junior high pastor when, when Jordan was the junior high punk. And so um, <laughs> we, uh, we saw Jordan when he was like this big and um, you know, his dad was a great influence and continues just to be a great um, kind of person in my life to model what it means to love the Lord and to do life. And and so we, uh, we love this team and really do uh, just uh, thank the Lord for an opportunity to be with you. It's good, and, um, and I hope that you uh, just uh, know and sense the, the role that this church even has beyond these walls. So um, with that said, that's the serious stuff. Uh, we have a lot of silly stuff, too. We love to tease one another and to uh, flaunt our flags and to talk about our countries and um, have all those kinds of discussions. And the last time that Todd was down preaching for us, we, we kind of have this dueling, what gag gift you're going to give the guy uh, when he stands up. And so I just want to show you, just so you know, you have some accountability for your pastor. Um, the last time he was with us, he got Jill and I up on stage and forced us to put on these, okay? <clears throat> and said, we love you, Canada, right? So um, I thought it might be appropriate for us to bring something comparable that celebrates kind of our context. And so I've learned, though, in pastoring, it's better to humiliate the man and not the woman. So I'm going to allow Todd to come and stand on behalf of both. Two should become one. He's good as both, right? So welcome up your pastor again. Come on, Todd. We love you. And uh, I know it gets cold in that head. I mean, you still have some good amount of hair up there, which is, which is a great sign, as old as you are. But... Um, <laughs> Just in case, you know, we, we live near the shark capital, literally, of the world. We're an hour and a half away. And so first, first item is, uh, is the shark helmet, right? How about that? Is that good, right? Loving it. Loving it. 
All right, all the pictures have been taken. It's already out on the Twitterverse, right? Okay, so we're back off that. And the second gift we bring to Todd and to Cheryl so they can be a couple is we are also the gator capital of the world. And, you know, so we're going to put this right on him, right? That's great. Nice hat. That looks great. Good, good. Come on, baby. We love you guys. All right, take that, take that. And the, and the great thing is we get to do it again for second service. So, you know. But uh, we love those guys and love having fun and uh, just enjoying life together uh, as we're um, just doing this thing God has given us the privilege to do. And as Jordan mentioned, what a privilege to be able to open up God's word and, and reflect even. When we think back on 2014, really, it was a crazy year in our world, right? We, we had this, uh, this group called Boko Haram who stole some 200 girls from their school and uh, did all kinds of uh, awful things to them. We, uh, we have a plane that just disappeared. Malaysian Airlines, a couple hundred people, their families, all the things that you can just think through for your own uh, situation that would have come up and caused great distress as you entered a holiday time not having any closure. We had all kinds of... uh, desperate things going on between Israel and the the countries that are surrounding and camped against it. 3,500 missiles shot back and forth between Hamas and Israel and the last part of 2014. And it was the first time I heard, perhaps you're a bit more news savvy than I was, but the first time I ever heard the name ISIS and uh, saw, in fact, the the devastation they did to a a city that was near and dear to both Jews and Christians alike in in Mosul. And in Mosul, they they went to this person you've probably heard of. His name is Jonah. And uh, they they took mallets to destroy his tomb and tear apart uh, this temple that had been built to commemorate uh, the words of the prophet, the message, all of what that would mean to, to Jewish believers, uh, certainly to Christians as well. But if I, could, if I could take and even turn in some sense that issue, that situation towards a positive, uh, I would say that, that too often we too have left Jonah kind of dead. We want to resurrect him this morning. We have a place to tomb around his story. We talk about it in Sunday school, and you remember those hard kind of board books, and, and once we kind of graduate and we go on with life and maturity as believers, we, we leave that guy, that prophet, in the past. And so today we're going we're gonna to kick over perhaps those things that were encased around this story that you think, hey, that's just a fish story. That's just for children. No, no it's not. It is an amazing account as we, as we cross over even from 2014 to 15. It is an amazing way we would consider once again God's graciousness, his goodness, his ability to take us from one place to the next, even as you survey a, a year or a situation that might seem awful, to say, you know what? As bad as it is or was, God, God is greater. God is able. And how would we not anticipate with great joy and eagerness the new and exciting things the Lord might do in your life, in your small group, in your marriage, in your church, in this community, if you'd let him in? And say, God, do something great for your sake. And so uh, to wrap all that up, that's what we're going to get at as we dive into God's word. Jonah chapter 1, this profound message of how, of how God might draw us back 
and bring us into a new next year with great anticipation. Jonah chapter one, God calls him to go and to bring hope to a people in desperation. Really, as you look at it, it's a, it's a city that did not deserve anything, and yet, and yet God was so gracious and good to them. God told him to go. He said, no thanks. He goes the other way. He chose to go the other way. Say chose. He chose. He made a decision to board a boat and literally go the opposite direction uh, as far as they knew to go. Spain, perhaps, is where Tarshish was ultimately. You can see on the screen, he, he traveled 700 miles to get to the coast and then another 1,000 miles to... He was running. And Jonah really said by his clear behavior and as the story unfolds, probably you know it, familiar with it, I would rather, I would rather die than do what God wants me to do. Some jobs, true, true or false, some jobs, they're dirty jobs, right? There's some things you're like, I do not want to do that. Just look at your neighbor and say, that job stinks, right? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I mean, oh my goodness. Um, I wanted work, but some jobs do stink. Get rid of that slide, right? Get rid of that, right? That's, that's what I would love for you to say this morning. Get rid of that stinky past, those situations. We've all done it, though. We've either ceased to believe that God is great and awesome and can do new things. We cease to believe that God can deliver us from the darkness or the depths that we're in. We cease to believe that God is for us, not against us. It is not your performance that dictates what God is going to do in your life. It is the grace and mercy and goodness of the gospel that washes over us and washed over this guy. And we wash over you. We'll uh, get our hands as, uh, as we've already prayed a couple times. Let me just add one uh, prayer for us as well. But we're going to get our hands in just a portion of this amazing story. And I trust that God would bless you with it and speak to you through it. And so um, if you're not there, just pause a moment before you start flipping pages. And let me just pray for us again. And then we'll jump into Jonah chapter 1 beginning in verse 17. Would you pray with me? God, what, what a blessing it is to, to know you. God, what a, what a blessing it is to be able to refer to you as Father. Not deity, not supreme being, not other, not unknown, not force, but, but, but Father. And God, as we think of you as a Father who desires and delights in giving good gifts to your children, Lord, I pray you would awaken our anticipation of what we might unwrap this morning in your word. God, might you surprise us God, comfort us. God, lift our countenance to see the great and awesome things that you would do um, for your sake in and through even imperfect vessels. And Lord, I just, uh, I just ask that this morning you might work through this imperfect vessel, that, that the message would not be compromised in any way by the messenger. And so, Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, speak to us, we pray, for your glory in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 So Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, uh, I'm going to begin, and what I'm going to do is just going to read through the passage that will be in front of us this morning, and then we'll back up and, and try and bring out of that, lift out of that three lessons, three things that we might uh, think about more fully. And so Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, goes like this, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights, then then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish and said, I called out of my distress to the Lord and 
and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the current engulfed me, and your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The, the earth with his bars around me forever. But, but you have brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. When I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. God's word for his people this morning, amen. A couple great thoughts that we would just celebrate that God would give to us. The first is this, that that God is an appointing God. He appoints time, seasons, moments. And and I am praying, not in some mystical or weird way, that, that there may be a moment here for you today. That God has appointed a time that your rear would be in a seat in this place to hear from an awesome God who loves you and would bring you back as well. So look at this, that first verse again, verse 17, appointing God will find a fish for you, for me. The first thing we notice uh, is the intentionality, which I love, and it's all wrapped up in that one word, appointed. Uh, For you technical people, you accountants or uh, numbers folks, which I am not, um, accounting is kind of this detailing, this precision kind of thing. You you don't want to go to your bank account and have a rough figure, right? You want to know. I mean, you, you, you want to put in your deposit, and when you go to write a check, you want to know that that amount of money is there. I mean, it's specific, it's precise, and that's what God's plans are for you. He appointed something specific for Jonah. It was intentional. It was thoughtful. It was loving. It was good. Even in the moment when perhaps he was not able to see it, God was this appointing, specific, uh, wonderful God. And I love the fact when... When you think about God looking out on the seas and the oceans, and like we know so little about what's under there, right? But, but there's all kinds of beasts and animals. And, and God appointed, can you imagine to have all of that at, at your disposal? Well, get over here, right? I got a prophet that needs swallowing, right? I mean, I mean, how cool is that? God appoints and brings him over. All through the scriptures, we see the way in which God is appointing. He, he appoints the stars and the heavens and calls them forth by name. That, that's awesome. He appoints the seasons, the rising and the setting of the sun, the length of our lives are appointed and determined, protected by God. Psalm 139. There is nothing, loved ones, that you can add to the days that God has appointed to you. And there is nothing, loved ones, that a sovereign, gracious, loving, protecting father will not let be taken from you. All appointed by God Almighty, as Job confesses at times too, there there are nights of trouble that are appointed for me. You say, why? Why would they be appointed? Because oftentimes that is the similar uh, cycle we are all in this process of working our way through. That there is this breakdown, then it's a breakthrough, then it's a buildup. And then God uses that lesson, those life experience then to bless others. 
that in the same way, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, that you have been comforted in your affliction, to that exact degree that you've been comforted, you are to use that comfort to comfort others also in the same affliction. How many times God has used that? There was a so many stories I could just, you know, kind of run through in our own church of how God encourages people. There is a, a sweet couple, one of the last faces I remember leaving church last weekend. He's one of our deacons, and, and he and his wife have been trying to have kids. Jill and I went through a similar thing before we were blessed with five, but, you know, we tried about two years, saw doctors, but I saw this deacon kind of walking out, and his face was lit up. I'm like, Matt, what's going on? Um, We've been praying with them about having a kid. They have not been able to. They, uh, they decided that they would adopt. And uh, on January 16th, they got the news that they're going to be able to go fly over to China and bring back their first daughter. And, um, and she's a daughter that, that has a lot of physical needs. And yet uh, this, this couple has chosen this path that God has appointed not only for them uh, to be barren that they might bring into their lives and their family an orphan that might have a mom and a dad. I mean, that's a sweet story. It's a beautiful way. Now, it's not the way that you and I would think it through and say, I want to point this. I want to point to a parent that leaves their child, abandons them as an orphan. We wouldn't do it that way. But God in his sovereignty appoints, orchestrates, works out all of these things. And when we walk and when we run, God oftentimes, loved ones, will find a fish. So, so what's, what's that thing for you that perhaps the Lord has appointed to love you through, to be, perhaps break you down, to break through, to build you back up, and to bless others with bankruptcies? Praying with this guy who's been out of work for nine months, and he texts me almost every other day, and I don't, I don't know that I've ever uh, met a guy who is more diligent in pursuing a job than this guy has been. He's flown to London. He's flown all over uh, the U.S. To, to find work, and he's still unemployed. Um, but he is still in the tears saying, God, you're faithful. And I know this is season that you've appointed for me. Verse 1, look at the text again. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Great fish, I want to talk about that first word is great. You got to say it nice and loud. You got to say it together for me. And so on the count of three, you're going to say great. One, two, three. Great. Great. I mean, that, that word ought to be written now over what you think of when you think of the book of Jonah. It is this great and amazing story. And that word finds its way all the way through the book. We, uh, we see so many ways that it's talked about. We see this great city. The great city of Nineveh, Mosul, where ISIS was taking down the temple of, of Jonah, is a city that's estimated to be a population of several million. Uh, they, they believe, archaeologists, that the wall around that city was about eight miles in length, that it was at points 100 feet high. And, uh, and the, the writers from ancient say that it was uh, wide enough, 100 high, wide enough, that three chariots could, could have been placed and ridden around the top of it. And so when we're talking about great things, we are talking about a great city. Uh, amazing things were going on in that place. So you not only have this great city and the scene here, you can see actually that, that wall, get you some perspective, some artist rendering, but back to the list, we see again, great all over it, a great wind, a great storm, a great fish, the great deep, and a great 
awesome God. He's great. He's great. In fact, the other little aside would be not only is great kind of the theme of our, of our God's activity in this book, but the only person who, who does not embrace the greatness of God is Jonah. Is the guy who should have known better. Literally, everything else in the book of Jonah obeys the Lord. Nineveh repents, the fish swallows, the plant dies. I mean, everything else obeys. What are you saying? I'm saying sometimes you, you can sit in the church, right? You can be the person that ought to know better, and yet we, we do what we want to do. But God is a great and awesome God. The point of all those things that we might say together is just that it was big. It was big, but God is bigger. So, so what's the contrast there that you'd work out? Well, the contrast you might work out is, is, is the problem, right? That, that tends to eclipse the greatness of our God. You know, you can take a, I don't know what your equivalent would be, but you could take a dime even in American currency and put it up to your eye and I could block out most of you, right? Little things can prevent you from seeing the bigger thing. So, so what is the great thing, perhaps, that life is so often about the, the crisis and the process, and we talk a lot about that at Harvest, you know, that is a lesson, certainly, for life that's been deposited to me through my time in Chicago, and when you think about uh, kind of the way in which God works, there, there are those decision moments, right, that you stand in front of. Is this going to make me better? Is this going to help me grow and become better, to be, become a deeper follower of the Lord? There are decision points. Which way are you going to go? Crisis and process, this recurring story of our sanctification. Do I trust the Lord? So great, great. The second thing that's kind of fun to, to think through and talk about is that word, and then uh, he pointed a great, what was it again? A great fish, right? A great fish. Now, fish, first of all, is just a generic term like mankind. If I say mankind, true or false, I'm excluding children and women. False, right? Mankind includes all. So, uh, so fish here is just a generic, generalist kind of term. It, it could be anything. And so under that heading, you have all kinds of options. In fact, in Matthew twelve forty, even some writers translate Christ's words as, as Jonah was swallowed by a sea monster. And so... Um, we don't know exactly what it was. It could be lots of different things. Uh, again, side note, interesting that, that for, for no moment at all did Jesus ever not consider it to be fact and not some kind of fantasy story. This is not a children's epic. This was something that truly, in fact, did happen and was significant even in its symbolism for what Christ would do in the grave for three days. Certainly, we can pick up on that. But think about it. Think of all the massive beasts that, that uh, God could have whistled his way over to swallow that prophet. You've got some of these, you know, blue whales, gray whales uh, being uh, so massive, a, a city bus, not even comparing. You've got divers who go down, right? And um, you see that little eyeball on that guy on the right? Doesn't he just look like he's got a scowl on, right? And in fact, um, interesting, they, they also had the audio of that particular moment and it went something like this right and florida to get a florida driver's license you not only have to pass this kind of written test but you have to pass whale a translation um because we live around the sea and um and so the translation of that is listen dude 
back off of the camera because my great-great-grandfather swallowed Jonah. <laughs> right? I mean, you think about all the things that are out there. That's what I'm trying to show you. The, the blue whale there and the Smithsonian, that's the size of its heart. I mean, it is massive. It is a great fish. Everybody say a great fish. Washing up on the beach and uh, a couple other comparisons here of, listen, could, could there be something swimming out there that could swallow a human? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, last slide. I mean, pick one, right? I mean, when you're talking about Jonah, uh, really, really, you believe that? Absolutely. I believe it. I mean, what, what out there would you not think could potentially take him out, take him in, take him down? I mean, all God's people said together, what? Wow. 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 Watch the screen. Wow. Wow. That's your cue card. Third, remind me again, who's, who's ultimately calling the shots in this account? God is, right? Listen, if God wanted to create something that you'd never seen before and would never see again to go take this guy down, do you believe God is capable? Right? I mean, it could, it could be like Loch Ness, right? I believe it. Do you believe it? It's in the lock. You know, no one's seen it really, but it's there. You know, so, I mean, God could have created this momentary uh, kind of massive beast. Uh, so it's a great, it's a great story. It's a great fish. It's a great God who accomplishes great things, overcomes great obstacles, and sometimes appoints something to get hold of our hearts and to bring us back. Look at the text again, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Again, that uh, symbology, that, uh, that example is used by Christ and Matthew to remind us of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jonah was a type and so this near-death experience that he went through is so similar to sometimes what we go through. Sometimes we've got to die, but when, when the seed falls in the ground, Jesus says, and dies, it, it brings forth new life. And there may be a part of you that in some ways this last year has, has died. There is something terrible that's happened. We've walked, as I mentioned, through lots of uh, stories with people. Personally, we've had some really... Uh, major health crises in my family. It's been really, really hard. But, but oftentimes death brings forth life. And so as we cross over, if God has appointed something for you from this past year, take that now forward in the second thought as we look at appealing. Jonah just gives us this amazing example, appealing. God hears when we cry. Look at the text again. Then Jonah, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. And he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord. And he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. What a great, uh, just what a great picture for a guy who's been on the run. That, uh, that that disobedience or that walking away did not prevent him from, from coming to terms with the great and awesome God who would meet him in that this moment when we cry, when we cry to him. 
Jonah knew better than to board the boat, but in God's redemptive story, he worked to bring him back, even from the belly. Some consider that the, the belly was more of a hospital than it was a hostage situation. It was, a, it was a place to give him some healing and to kind of bring him back to ground zero. But sometimes those things, right, when, when we get to that point of appealing, something's happened in your life that has just caused you to slow down. I talked about several crises at the beginning. Obviously, our country back in 9-11 had a crisis that caused all things to come to a stop. I mean, there, there are times, there are devastating things in our lives that all of a sudden, pause. Remember driver's ed? I've got, I've got uh, five kids. Two of them have driving permits, so you can add some extra prayers for me. Pray that Jesus comes quickly so that I don't have to do five weddings and five college educations. And so Jesus, please come like today. And, uh, and then I've got two almost drivers um, who are kind of pushing our, our prayer thing too, right? And in driver's ed, they, they give you this thing. It, it's called perspective, and it's called the, this field of vision, right? And, and when you go slow, you, you see a, a broader plane. The faster your life goes, the less you tend to see. And so sometimes, maybe this time, God is slowing us down to kind of widen our perspective of what he's about in your particular world and the way that he wants to work. Maybe even invite you today to call out to him. God, I don't know why I would ever be the person you'd want to listen to. I felt like that. Like, I'm, I call myself a recovering Pharisee, right? I'm very rule-oriented. I want to do it the right way. I'm specific. I want to be precise. And, and, uh, and I try and sometimes say that God is going to love me because of my performance. And, and when I do stuff that are, that are uh, not the right thing, that I feel like, well, why in the world would he? Because he's gracious. Because he's not me. Because he does things like he did with Jonah. The guy who knew more than anybody in the room Right? He was in the church God at work videos. He was the guy who in Awana stood up and said the most verses. I mean, that was the guy. And God brought him back. So wherever you are on the spiritual scale or plane, maybe God is bringing us here to take us from this kind of tunnel vision and widen our view of what he's at work in your life doing. Psalm 4610, right? We probably have heard this so much. Cease your striving and know that I am God. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Sometimes he's got to make us lie down. Verse 3, look at it. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So God's, God's appointment... Right, led to Jonah's appealing. Again, this kind of precious, interesting partnership. God will find a fish for you, for me. God will hear when we come to him, when we cry out. And, and crying, we continue to see God as sufficient and good and present. If you study this for a, a bit, you will uh, discover that there are eight different psalms that, that Jonah quotes while he's in the belly of the whale, at least some say uh, perhaps even more. Now, again, pop quiz. Did Jonah have a Kindle? Did Jonah have a smartwatch? Did, did jo- I mean, Jonah didn't have anything in the belly of the whale, but his heart and his head 
and the word that he had placed in there by memory. 200 years old at this time are the Psalms of David. He's got at least eight of them stuck in his spirit and pours them, speaks them back out to God. That's a great challenge. What a great example for us. A guy who comes back to the goodness of God's word and some of the same things that he quotes are the things that Christ quotes. Psalm 18 and 22 from the cross, verse 4. Look there in the text with me again. So he said, I have been expelled from your sight. Right? Sin does that. Sin separates. It's kind of a scissors spiritually. It cuts us off. Nevertheless, what a great word to circle. Nevertheless, no matter what you feel like you've done, left undone, how good or how bad, nevertheless, he appeals. He comes to the, to the foot of the cross, as we might say. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Okay, so next, uh, let's see how smart you guys are, right? Do you have that show smarter than a fifth grader? Um, so are you smarter than a fifth grader? Jonah, pop quiz, Jonah had read the book of Jonah. Um, that's a trick question, isn't it? Right? I mean, he had not. He hadn't read it. Um, which to me helps us to see, to, to validate, if you will, the genuineness of his prayer. What are you saying? I'm saying there was no bargain going on here. You don't hear it in his words either, right? Like, God, if, if you do this, then I will. He just says, listen, I'm an idiot. I blew it. Take me back. He didn't know the end of the story. It, perhaps for all he knew, he would have died right there, just making his peace with God. End of discussion, end of story. But here's, here's what he knew. I, this is a great challenge for me. Here's what he knew. He knew that no place in life is ever worse than not being right with God. I gotta get right. No if, then, just God, I blew it. Bring me back. You're awesome. I was an idiot. Help me walk with you. I, I would love that to be the posture of our hearts as we walk into a new year to say, God, I, I want to see you do great and awesome things. And I want to be near to you, to your word, to your ways. Because not being with God, like that's the worst thing. In fact, the term there, you can look in the text, is, is this term Sheol. Sheol was kind of this... Uh, a parallel or synonym for hell. It was like hell to be apart from God. And if you never get right with God, that is our eternal story. But we have an opportunity, whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever we're in, to get back. God is an appointed God. He loves you so much that he will find a fish. The second thing is that God is in a God who listens when we cry out to him, as we appeal, as we approach, even when we're encompassed. Look at the verse five. Encompass me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of them. I mean, if you're a literary person, even a teeny bit, I mean, it's quite a picture. I feel that way at times. So if God has your attention, for, for Jonah, it took three days, three nights. Maybe the appointed process that God has been walking you through has, has been three months. Maybe it's been a couple years. 
I think it's interesting. I, I love just celebrating some of the, the weird ways that God works. Um, the, the guy who was doing children's ministry back in the day when all of us were there was leading a children's ministry of a couple thousand kids, and he and his wife were not able to have kids. They chose not to adopt. They chose to see the church uh, as their ministry place and as their children. And so what a, what a beautiful way in which God took them from perhaps a point where they felt engulfed and strangled, and yet turn that over. We've got a guy coming to our church who's going to speak in February who runs an orphanage overseas and has had the privilege to see uh, hundreds of children blessed, brought up out of the streets, sometimes put into families. Again, he and his wife never able to have kids. And he's running an orphanage. Listen, there, there is no place or point that is too dark or too deep that God cannot turn that around and take it and use it in a wonderful way. There was a precious girl in, in our uh, first young marriage class when Jill and I just got married. Um, and she, was, she had this massive guilt complex because before she was married, she, uh, she had cho- chosen to take the life of a child that she had been impregnated by uh, out of marriage and felt horrible about it and guilty and didn't want her parents to know, and, but never really got it out. It, it just kind of stayed in the darkness and dominated her life and her thinking. And finally, finally she got free of the false kind of... Uh, philosophy or, or counseling that says you've got to, you just got to forgive yourself. Do you know what First John 1, 9 says, right? That if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I mean, that, that was an amazing washing and renewal for her spirit. And she received that, that God is a loving God. He's gracious that he forgave her, that he loved her, that he welcomed her back, that she was his daughter. And not only did she really have just this new countenance about her, but, but she went and she served in the crisis pregnancy center in the Dallas area where we were. And so she was able to take that, uh, that situation in her life and to set it before other young women debating whether or not they would do the same thing and say, listen, I've been there. And here's what it was like. And here's what I would plead with you to consider. What a, what a beautiful, redemptive way. God uses all things together for good for those who love him. Amen? God is a gracious, good God. Listen, listen. He hears when we cry. Father in heaven, what a wonderful thing. Verse 7, I was fainting away. I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. It's so personal so particular, but sometimes maybe some of us are sitting here and we're just, we're just not going to do that. I'm just thinking through my own mind, you know, what are the reasons that I don't uh, come back or I don't call out, you know, maybe it's number one, maybe it's pride and stubbornness and I'm going to white knuckle this thing. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to do it. And and really what you're saying is that, that you want to be your own God. You want to be the one that is victorious and listen, you, you can't be, you won't be. Even if it's for a day or a moment, it's not going to be for a lifetime or for an eternity. Number two and number three, kind of similar, right? He must be so done with me. I deserve this. Psalm 130, verses three and four. If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So I would love to kind of 
pull up and, uh, and to put in your rubbish can uh, this morning. Those of you that would say, listen, the Old Testament God, he was a mean, vengeful, judgmental kind of God. New Testament, loving, plays with kids, delightful, want to have him over for dinner. Listen, God's redemptive love and plan and grace is present all the way through Genesis to Revelation. Same God, yesterday, today, and forever. And I hope that as you hear and see this story, you're like, you are overwhelmed and amazed by the goodness and graciousness of God Almighty uh, to Jonah, not just to him, but to us as well, that he forgives, he's gracious, he's loving, he's sustaining. Number four, it won't change anything. That's a lie. Sometimes we've got to be persistent. God appoints the times, the days, the seasons. You know, we like to say that sometimes God, God always has his eye on the clock and his hand on the dial. It will be the right amount of time and heat and pressure to bring about the goodness he has for you. It will change. I'm just stuck. Take yourself out of the center. By faith, receive God's word this morning. He is a great and awesome God and pulls prophets out of the bellies of fish. He can do some crazy stuff in our lives as well. Emotionally unempty. I would just say pour your heart out to him. Let him fill you up. Let him do a new thing. If you're spent and and on zero, listen, God is a gracious God. He wants to give and give abundantly. I've come to give life and give it abundantly. He desires you, John 15, to bear much more fruit and prove to be his disciples. Verse 7, while I was fainting away, look at this, while I was fainting away, my eyes were shutting, they were heavy, I was on empty, fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Appealing. God, hear me. And finally, this uh, amazing truth we'd celebrate answering, God will, will save my life. Verse 8, here's the summary of Jonah's song then. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. Vain idols are those false hopes, whether it's I'm going to save myself or I'm going to work my way out of this financial debacle, whatever it might be. The vain idol, those who forsake their faithfulness and trust in vain idols will be disappointed, but those who trust in the Lord will be satisfied. Verse 9, here's this kind of volitional thing that we're, we're coming to now as we close. What do, I, what do I do? What, what would I, Lord, what would you have me do? Verse nine, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. God, I will choose to say, I will choose, Job, I will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. God, I will choose to say 2015 is going to be a year in which we will harvest together the things you've been at work in my life about. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed. Listen, I will repay. Here's this beautiful gospel uh, echo, right? Salvation is from the Lord. Psalm 40, beautiful picture even of this, right? Maybe this is in the mind of the, the writer. He brought me up out of the miry clay. He set my foot on a rock. Verse 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish, if you have an NAS, say it with me, and he vomited, right? He vomited Jonah 
up onto dry land. Vomited is never a really pretty picture, right? There is no nice way that people vomit. And uh, it's this uh, massive expelling and uh, this, uh, my, my muscles are sore, my abs. And we used to have a song that we'd sing with our kids and sing at camp, right? Do you, did you sing this song, Vomit? Vomit, V-O-M-I-T, regurgitate, regurgitate, threw up all the food you ate, vomit, vomit, V-O-M-I-T, oh! right? <laughs> Maybe it's the Florida thing, the heat gets to people, right? But <laughs> so, so why vomit? Um, so sometimes stuff, I would just say sometimes stuff is messy, right? It's messy. It smells, it stinks. But, but again, the parallel that, that is painted specifically in what actually happened here, this is historical, is that, that, listen, life running the other way or without God, not believing, it stinks. It's not, it's not good. And yet when we allow the Lord to deliver us, to bring us back, whatever those situations are, God is able to overcome. God found a fish. Has he, has he found one that you would circle and say that this is my fish? Just bow your heads right now even and think through just the things that maybe God has been doing uh, in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace. Things that perhaps make you feel as if you're in the belly, brought down to the depths, perhaps fainting away even in your spirit. And God, who is a loving, gracious, amazing, good God who loves you, has appointed a moment this morning where you would be reminded of the ways in which he chooses to work on your behalf. He's found you here. He sees where you are. And he hears when you cry. I mean, is there something right now that you would just confess to him? Is there something that you would just really open your heart to receive? God, I hear you. I know this was for me. Maybe there's something that as we sit on, again, this kind of a precipice between 14 and 15. See, God, use the things in this last year to, to make a difference for your glory, for your sake. We sang a lot about that today. Our lives are the ways in which we let that light shine through, even to crack vessels, appealing Call out by faith. God, do some great things. He can bring back marriages. He can bring back great disappointments. Our God is able. Paul writes in Ephesians 3.20 to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. That's a great God. God saves. Maybe you're here this morning and, and it's been a story. It hasn't been your personal story, however. Maybe it was the communion that kind of began to cause some thoughts about what does it mean to follow the Lord. Maybe it's staring at the cross or singing those words, seeing them on the screen. I'll just say that God is awesome. He is great. He loves you. And in a season when we tend to think about the baby born in a manger, it's not just about the baby. The manger was the entry point for this message of love and forgiveness, of adoption. 
of being called into the family of God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to talk to somebody afterwards and just uh, take, the, take that first step. God, we, uh, we do just thank you that you are a great and awesome God. You're a father, that you love us, that salvation is from the Lord. God, I just thank you for this sweet place, this, uh, this family you've called together at Harvest Berry. God, all the stories that are represented in every life, all the things that you'd work together for your glory, for great things in 2015. God, we, we pray with anticipation for the great and mighty things you would do in our day. Lord, thanks for the love that would be shared, the comfort that would be offered, the care and counsel that would be uh, sought even. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you that sometimes you appoint things that we don't like. God, thanks that you listen when we cry. Thanks that you save us from ourselves and for everlasting through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.